the Gridiron Show and the first show from Radio Row of 2017. We are in Houston. It is Super Bowl week and we are just six days away from the Falcons beating the Patriots in Super Bowl 51. I already said that because I'm staring directly at Matt Sherry. Join us on the mic. Ollie Hunter is here as well. We're going to bring you interviews from opening night and our review of the Royal Rumble, of course. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show, the first show from Houston, from Radio Row. It's very quiet here today because we're about an hour away from opening night as we record this. Opening night. (laughs) Everyone. so loud? (laughs) Sorry, that's just a general question. Like, I never thought. That's better. That's better. I genuinely never thought I'd meet a human being who made me seem quiet. What what is? In Matt Sherry, that has happened. (laughs) Uh, Will Gavin. Matt Sherry, Ollie Hunter sat here on Radio Row. Josh Peacock from uh, Trinal slash Gridiron is with us as well. He's waved and he's playing about with his phone. Liam Blackburn's here. But much like every other podcast we've ever done on Radio Row, Liam Blackburn has his headphones in. I imagine listening to a press conference and uh, writing up his notes. <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's listening to himself. <laughs> I hope so. I hope he's just got his mic. It's himself on. saying, Liam, you are great. Liam, uh, don't listen to other people. What, what um... That opening night song that I was about to sing before I was rudely cut off. What, what musical is that from? What what opening night? Song? Opening night. What's that? Oh, what's it from? It's that one where he tries to make a bad musical. <laughs> oh, the, the yeah, the producers. Yeah. Right. Okay. Good. The producers is a great film. Could the we get the producer? Not so much the second one. <laughs> Could we get the producer from this show to put the song in, please? I it depends on who that means. That is. That tickled you, didn't it? <laughs> so here we are in Houston, downtown Houston. It's rather rather pleasant, isn't it, Will? I like that you've taken over. I am feeling so ropey today. It's Monday evening. Um, we're going to bring you some audio from opening night. We're going to discuss some of the moves in and around the league, including the Colts hiring Chris Ballard as a GM. That seems like quite a sensible move. And the 49ers deciding that they're going to hire a man with absolutely zero front office experience based on the fact that he prepares well for TV coverage in John Lynch. It might work. He might be the new John Elway. We never know. Can you give me a uh, sec, Will? I've, I've just got to make a call. Hi, hi, Jed. Um, I just want to be the offensive coordinator. Can, can I have the job, please? Because I understand this is how it works now. To be honest, you might do a better job. That's a great, that's a great <laughs> gag, mate. I think it's uh, the way you told it. What was <laughs> I, I, I've got delivery. Yeah. What was yeah. great is that Sherry practiced that gag in the car earlier. I, did, yeah. <laughs> I thought I was slightly better in the car. Yeah, so did I. I think it was one of those Lost things. Lost my voice with all the singing in the car. Spontaneity was a big thing. Um, so, yeah, we've been out in the States since uh, Saturday evening. We spent a couple of days in San Antonio. We went to the Royal Rumble, so we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Uh, we'll bring you... Some interviews from opening night. It's all going to be great. It's, it's, I'm excited for the week. I just feel like I'm sweating out alcohol right now. But it was a good night. Ollie, how did you feel about the Royal Rumble? Not the, not the main event itself, but the entire thing. The, the oh, five, six hours that we were in that stadium drinking ridiculous foot-long frozen drinks. We were a long way away, but that was fine. And, and we paid a lot, of, a lot of extra money to be a long, long, yeah. long way away. We were, I was next to... We definitely didn't. (laughs) If you wanted to be any closer, you were paying $300. I was sat next to a rather large lady, which was fine. She was lovely. Yeah, I noticed that as the night went on, you got chatty with her. Of course I did. I get get chatty with everyone. It's an interesting... You're breathing heavily again. You need to sort that out. 
I've turned him off. There we go. Oh, that's glorious. So it, it was interesting being there and being around all of these uh, wrestling free of fans. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it was good. It was good. I thoroughly enjoyed bringing football soccer chants and songs to it the whole the whole the whole thing there was there was no better moment of the night than when during the cruiserweight championship match uh which was neville against richard swan and neville won it and i got all excited so sherry hasn't followed wrestling since the the kind of attitude era stone cold so i was explaining to him that he's a geordie and so we decided that anyone british or irish the whole night we decided to back them with some good old-fashioned English football songs. And the people around us initially, I think during that Seamus and Cesaro match early on, I think they were annoyed by it. By the time it got around to Neville, I think they were loving it. They loved it. We got a round of applause. We yeah. sung, uh, we love you, Neville, we do, we love you, Neville. Oh, Neville, we love you. And they genuinely stood up and applauded us. Yeah. It was wonderful. It, it was great, wasn't it? It was maybe the best moment of my life. It was <laughs> up there. It's up there with the, your wedding. The birth of your child. Thanks for reminding me of those key moments that if Lee is listening, we're obviously slightly better. The birth of your child, Brady. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Named after Brady Quinn, of course. Yeah, Brady Tom Quinn. Brady. Why, why did you call Brady your kid fan? Brady? That's weird. I've never it? called him Brady. That's so <laughs> weird. Yeah, but Thomas in Thomas. Thomas that. Brady. Tom Brady. There we go. I should have called him Thomas Edward Brady. <laughs> Junior. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we'll do. Uh, we'll go through the Royal Rumble a I'm bit more. I'm surprised you didn't call him Matthew. That's the middle name. Oh, there we go. Your ego has landed. Yeah, absolutely. On your child, it's landed in Houston as yeah. well. Amazing. Yeah, we've managed to go a whole two minutes without any kind of NASA joke, and there we go. Matt's decided to drop one. Well done, buddy. How many times are you going to hear that opening night tonight? We have no. landed. We have a problem. Uh, what any? Houston-related gags are going to be any, everywhere. Any great people who read Gridiron magazine will say, Houston, we have kickoff on the cover. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot that we'd done that. Forget about that. <laughs> Subscribe to Gridiron. <laughs> it's great. Uh, you can still buy tickets to our Gridiron Super Bowl party, of course, if you're not fortunate enough to have uh, They're running out, out here, faster, aren't they? Uh, the group tickets are pretty much gone. There are still plenty of single tickets available for now, but they will go quickly, so get online, buy them there. £10 for a single ticket. You get a free beer and a free copy of that Super Bowl preview magazine as well. Uh, it's well, well worth it. Gridiron-magazine.com forward slash Super Bowl L-I. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's such a good party that there's an NFL team who are sending down some people to, to come and join us. Yeah, that's how good a party it is. One of the teams in the Super Bowl is sending along representatives to our party. That's all we can say. But, you know, it's pretty cool. It's the team that's going to win. Uh, well, the Falcons, then. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, I've, I've kind of almost decided that we can't. Do, we, we should avoid any Super Bowl chat on this podcast because for the next four days, who wants to listen to it's the Super all Bowl? We're going to talk about the, uh, it's rubbish. It's, it, I think Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. All we're going to be talking about is the weekend's game. And you know, whoever we get on, I've just had actually bumped into Ted Johnson just a moment ago. He's here because he does the afternoon show in Houston. So they've got a uh, stand just over there. They're doing their live show from there. Oh, yeah. Just had a quick chat to him during a break. He's going to come just and join over there, us one morning. Just uh, over there, is it? Yeah, well, good, good audio description. Yeah. yeah, it's behind that big blue stanchion in the middle of the convention centre. So okay. it means that not only am I pointing it out on an oral medium, but you can't even see it. So even the person who I'm telling who has the visual can't see is it. He, um, is job, he buddy. still yeah. taking this for a night out, as he promised last year? Is that not happening? We'll have a word. Because if he doesn't, then he's dead to me. <laughs> well, if, if people didn't listen to our shows last year... If they're new to the show. New to the show, and or don't remember what Radio Row is like... Can you just kind of paint a picture with words better than what you did earlier 
and uh, describe what, what's going on right Are now. Are you asking me to do my job? Yeah. <laughs> this is very upsetting. So who's that behind you there? So the first thing is, is that it is absolutely ginormous. That's James Ahedabo, yep. the uh, Buffalo Bill safety, who stood behind us. I think we're talking to him tomorrow morning, hopefully. I mean, um, I knew that was him, but I wanted you to describe it. I mean, he could come and talk to us right now, theoretically, yeah, couldn't he? He's not Just going to. come over maybe. for a chat. Uh, he's already 10 minutes behind based on what time he's with them, so maybe not. Uh, <laughs> that's how well I know it's scheduled already. The first thing is, this place is absolutely ginormous. It takes you five minutes to walk around to the other side of it for you, quite easily. Yeah, I do. I like an amble. <laughs> I do. I do love an amble. Um, it's it's a vast open space. Imagine like you went to somewhere like Earl's Court or the O2. It's that sort of size on the floor, and all around the outside, you've got. Tune in radio, you've got CBS radio, Sirius XM, all the big stations. You lot are loving that fat joke, aren't you? Bloody hell. Josh can't handle it. <laughs> what, what are you giggling about now? Brilliant. Great. Thanks for that. The crispy Atlantic salmon is back. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> That's one of them where you didn't want that to be funny. Yeah, I, I really hated that. That was funny. Um, you know, there's NSFL Network here, CBS Radio based here. And then in these little smaller areas around us, there are tables set up, much like the one we're sat at right now, where we're broadcasting for Gridiron and also for the TalkSport 2 show with Nat later in the week as well. Sat at our table here and we've got uh, ESPN San Antonio next to us. We've got the guys from... Baltimore and from Sioux Falls so there's loads of radio stations broadcasting from behind here. us as well um, and there's uh, then barriers around the outside yet again this year they've decided that we need to be closest to the barrier because they know that once the fans start to fill out the area these are the people they're going to want to come and see yep. let's go ogle those weird Brits who are talking about American sports uh, so yeah it's all a bit quiet today though because opening night is starting it's going to get absolutely manic as the week goes on yeah. I mean to give you an example last year we were sat doing our podcast probably on the Thursday night and we had ESPN the local one behind us and they had an interview booked in with Jerry Rice and Jerry Rice was just standing behind us like Jerry do you want to come and talk to the English fans and he just came and said a few words for us right there and then and it, stuff like that it's I, it kind of hasn't washed over me that this is where we are yet because it's so quiet today and because I'm feeling quite tired and quite ready for bed. Uh, the I, earthquake will, will hit tomorrow, though, won't it? I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of... I, I'm missing opening night tonight because I'm going to pick up Paolo Bandini from the airport. And, uh, clang. I'm... Uh, <laughs> why is that a clang? That really is the clang. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, Speaking of guys who don't need an ego boost. <laughs> although he's not really egotistical at all, is he? Paolo? Paolo's one of the most delightful human beings you'll ever meet, so... He is. He is well backed by the mob, though, isn't he? So yeah. That helps. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. That's why you don't want to go anywhere near <laughs> offending him. Already what you've said has put our lives at risk, I've never Matt Sherry, so I'm really concerned. Um, should we talk about the, the NFL stuff that's happened over the last two days? Starting off with Chris Ballard appointed as the Colts GM. He's had his first press conference today uh, saying that Jim Ayersay should be taken at his word. and that they're, I mean, what he kind of seemed to say was he said there's no option but Chuck Pagano for this year now I think the way he meant that was to say why would I bother going anywhere else we've got someone with coaching experience who's had winning records but when you just hear the phrase we've not really got any other options it does sound a bit more negative doesn't it I, I, the, the situation I, the I, think he has, I think he has said that they're going to assess it in 12 months which yeah. tells me that maybe the reality is that at this point in the season with the senior ball having already started and, and that scouting process having to take place and and that doesn't even include having to put a staff together in the personnel department. They do just have to kind of go with what they've got coaching-wise. And, and it's fairly clear that if they don't get in the playoffs, Chuck Pagano won't be there next season. I think even if they do get in the playoffs, it takes maybe a, a divisional 
slash championship game season for him to maybe keep his job beyond this year. And uh, I think that makes sense. I mean, Ballard comes from that chief organisations where John Dorsey and Andy Reid seem to be what you want from a GM and coach, where it's a proper unit, yep. where they are two guys who work in sync, who work on the roster together, who uh, kind of almost know each other inside out intimately, if you will. Um, and and he's, he mentioned that in his press conference, and that's the kind of relationship he wants. You kind of feel like that's not the relationship he's going to get in these 12 months. That's the relationship when he appoints his guy in 12 months time you know uh, do you do you genuinely believe that had they not made that gm change on january the first they wouldn't have gone much harder over someone like kyle shanahan who's here coaching this week i think they obviously would have but ultimately it's a really good situation in my opinion for a gm to be in because you, you can make your decisions in terms of talent evaluation and do your job for a year basically without any risk because if it doesn't go right, it's that. If it doesn't go right, it's the head coach's fault. I, I mean, it's a real coup for the Colts to get him because he doesn't really take interviews even very often. And given that they're owned by a guy who, <laughs> what are you laughing at? Uh, you remember we listened to that John Cena prank call in the car yeah. earlier. So John's just sent a message to the WhatsApp group going, "I thought I saw you, Ollie, but it's actually a U.S. Marine." John Cena returns this Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so who's uh, who's John that sent sent the message? Uh, John Jackson, because uh, yeah, Virgin Radio, who will be. You well, need to he's explain gonna, these things. Yeah, well, John Jackson, he's with us as well. He is a guy who, if you if you want to go and hear a young, aspiring Will Gavin fledgling before he really learnt his craft, oh, you can find Monday Night Jaw. <laughs> <laughs> can we can we leave now and let him record this? I'm on his own? Really sick. Actually. This is uh, <laughs> making me feel queasy. Um, John is the guy I used to do my student radio show with, uh, and ridiculously, uh, he is, uh, he, we've ended up working in the same building for two separate stages, so he's here with Virgin Radio, he came to the Rumble with us last night, and we're going to be doing a couple of shows this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, his music shows on Virgin Radio, and I'm going to join him for a co-host, and we're going to talk football and play lots of Super Bowl halftime show music, so John, if we manage to get his accreditation sorted, which hopefully we're going to do today, then he will be joining us on Radio Row this week as well, and we'll chat to him throughout the week, but uh, yeah, sorry, we were talking about the Colts, and then that message just distracted me. Um, yeah, I mean, as I said, I think it was a, a coup for them to get Ballard, he, he, he really doesn't take interviews, and Considering that the head, the owner of the Colts, is a guy who spends his, his spare time doing very <laughs> <laughs> allegedly whatever you're going to say next, I don't care what it is. <laughs> I'm going to proceed it with the phrase allegedly. Well, he's he has a, a colourful outlook to life, to say the least, and and is very dysfunctional guy who's looked into two quarterbacks. But I think it it kind of speaks to the value of having a guy like Andrew Luck that they could get. A candidate like that, despite that is, that is not what I wanted to see. Just despite the obvious high fast that exists in Colts Nation. See, I thought today was going to be a nice, easy podcast to record because there'd be no distractions because it'd be nice and quiet. Right now, Ryan Peacock from UK Packers, who is hosting our party this weekend, and whose brother is Josh, who works for us, he is lying half naked in bed, facetiming us as we do the show live. <laughs> this is ludicrous. Get 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 that off the screen. I don't need to see it. <laughs> at least at least the fair show of this week is going to be as farcical as all of the ones last year. I've seen far too many naked, half naked torsos on this trip. There was a wonderful time this morning uh, where me, a wonderful time, me and Matt it? Sherry we had some work to do this morning, and so we lay in our shared bed at our Airbnb, 
just you know just lay there topless working on this thing we're working on and for a good couple of hours and you know in simpatico it was a glorious thing it was thing. special after our yeah. little lovers tiff last night it was just a tonic that we needed wasn't it not something i was going to raise on the podcast but um, <laughs> well, that seemed that went on forever uh, by the way how how glorious <laughs> sherry is Santo- san antonio oh beautiful oh, great place let's let's talk san antonio properly properly loved it there's a little river running through the middle but kind of picture postcard with bridges walkway bridges over it and bars lining it just glorious well, wasn't it? one of the best places i've been to you, oh, can, great you, you, you can walk alongside that river what's it called again ollie uh i don't know river, the, river, the river walk oh right great <laughs> um thanks for that and uh, and then we went and drank in some outside bars and we ate some barbecue uh, it was all wonderful so we all agreed that ballard is the right appointment for um for the Colts, it just would have been great. Bob Ballard, host of Overnights <laughs> on the weekend. Um, Another great guy, guys. Yeah, yep. uh, we all agree that Ballard's the right sort of appointment. Yep. But I, I just think, I, I increasingly I'm believing over these last few months, particularly seeing what's happened at the San Francisco 49ers, that you really need to be, if you've not got a long-term GM who's been in position, if you're making changes, I think make wholesale changes. It very rarely works that you keep one and not the other, that I've seen it be successful in recent years. It, it doesn't, but like I say, it's, it's great for the GM because he basically has a free year now. Yeah. And I think it, if they don't play well next year, it'll be Chuck Pagano's fault. And and you're always given more than a year in personnel anyway to, to judge the decision. So I think it's great news for the Colts that they've got a a really viable guy through the door there who often, as I say, mm. won't even interview for teams. So I think that that's a feather in their cap and it'll be interesting to see how it works out. I'm actually not convinced Chuck Pagano's a, a terrible coach. I think he might be better than we better than we all think at this point. So it'll be really interesting to see I, how it works I don't, out. I don't, I don't think you're wrong about that. And the, the, the kind of thing I feel about it, because I do like Chuck Pagano, actually. But he he, he had a great year last year with Matt Hasselbeck, a quarterback. They, they still won a lot of games. They were right there in the playoff mix. And and I thought last year he did a really nice job. This year was was a big disappointment, I think, and 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 for that reason there'll, there'll be negativity. But but it, it's going to be interesting. And and the thing is, he's been given. <coughs> I think he's been given crap to work with, and when yeah. you've been given crap to work with, and and he has to take some charge of that. He has to go and say, I need offensive line help, and force Grigson to make those choices, and and he hasn't done that, and so that's an issue. But. Maybe he will turn it around this year. I just feel like when you had players tweeting out about, you know, anti-stuff about Ryan Grigson the moment he was fired, and we talked about this on the last show, but that shows to me, uh, even though I agreed with them, a bit of a toxic atmosphere around the whole organisation, and sometimes it's just better to wipe the slate clean and move on, which just so happens to be what they've done in the Bay Area on the <laughs> West Coast. Now, I have been inordinately excited over the last few weeks about the idea that Kyle Shanahan is going to be the new head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. I do think in terms of young offensive minds, I like Sean McVay a lot, but he, Kyle Shanahan, from the experience he's brought from different areas, from what we've seen him do this year as a coordinator, I'm, and, and you know the fact that he's learned at the heel of his dad and he's been around organisations since he was three, four years old, the guy knows football inside out. I'm desperately excited about it. I, 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 I can't decide how I feel about John Lynch. If people are listening to this and they don't know about John Lynch being set to be appointed the GM on a six-year contract, I'd be surprised. Now, the situation around it is that John Lynch, uh, former safety at the Broncos, 
played with Elway. A lot of people saw him as someone who could maybe go and work with Elway. That was seen as being his way into working in front offices, etc. But well, he's found a quicker way to get up to a GM position. He approached Shanahan and said, look, I'd be really interested in working with Haven't you. Haven't badmouthed this interview. I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, yeah. and, and Shanahan apparently spent the week thinking about it and thinking more and more, this is a guy who I've been so impressed with every time that we've sat down and prepared for a show. And he's, he just seems that like he watches film, he prepares well, he knows the squad's inside out, he asks the best questions. And he thought that that struck him as the right decision. Now, the reason I feel, the reasons to be negative are obvious. He's got no experience whatsoever and he's going into a situation with the worst roster in the NFL right now. Outside of the Browns. Yeah, I, I think the 49ers right are worse, there, yeah. is a worse roster yeah. uh, like right now. Um, I'm not just saying that as a self-pitying uh, as a self-pitying fan. I do think they've got the worst situation as it currently stands. I, uh, the fact that it's six years is a positivity. I think they're obviously looking to build something. And it's quite clear that when you saw they were still talking to Patton and they were talking to the fella from the Cardinals as well, the uh, assistant director of pro personnel whose name has completely Terry escaped McDonough. me. Terry McDonough. Those guys weren't didn't seem like they were going to be happy going into a situation where they weren't going to have final say on the roster. And Kyle Shanahan has said, look, if I'm going to leave my cushy offensive coordinator job on a Super Bowl-level team, I want, to be, I want to be building something from the ground up, and I want to be you know, the new Bill Belichick if it's successful. I want to be the guy that does everything top to bottom. And so what they've done is gone out and got a GM who thinks he can work with Shanahan and who isn't necessarily going to be precious if he doesn't get the final say on those things because I don't think Patton I don't think McDonald I don't think either of those guys were ever going to accept that so they almost had to think outside the box and Jed York said as much when he spoke to Peter King at the weekend Peter King put an article out, out, out about it on the MMQB uh, which seemed to suggest first of all that Shanahan was already confirmed as the head coach in his mind and Lynch does seem to confirm that as well I just you know I, I I kind of, I think the more and more I think about it, the more and more I think, right, this is what we need. We need a reset. We need it to be completely from the ground up. If that's going to happen, why not take a risk now? It's better to take a risk now than it is when we've got a, a Super Bowl window. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm positive on it. I think my, that's what I've decided. My overall issue with it would be to ask, and to me, the, the whole hire screams of Kyle Shanahan's the new man in town. He is going to make all the decisions and, and be kind of that head coach de facto GM figure that Bill Belichick is and, and Josh McDaniels was in Denver and I just can't ever remember a first time head coach given that much responsibility that much power and it working and, and there's I can't think of it, an example where it does work and, and that's that's kind of my issue with it and I, and I think somebody like that almost needed the anti-lynch which is a strong well-grounded personnel guy who's been through the the process over a number of years has his own mind and I'm sure Lynch does have his own mind and all the reports on him are very strong in terms of his his football acumen but there's a lot of guys with football acumen well, who wouldn't be good personnel I'll tell you what's quite interesting to hear about it is they look, the, the names that are popping up uh, as being linked around um, D director of uh, player personnel and the other positions in and around the front office. They're talking about Dennis Hickey, Mark Dominic, guys who are both at the Bucks at the same time as uh, as Shanahan was there. And and it seems to be that they are they're looking for that experience in those slightly lower down positions. And basically, they're looking to support Lynch with guys who know what they're doing. And okay, I don't think Dennis Hickey did a good job don't in think Miami. Mark Dominic did a great um, job, and I don't think Mark Dominic did a great job at the Bucks, but. 
they are guys who have experience who can guide them through the nitty gritty. It is it's a it's the ultimate project, and what they have to do is in two years' time, when we're still only winning four games a season, is not panic and decide to reset it all again. You've got to give it three, four years and give them a real chance to turn it but, around. But the issue is that in order to have the confidence to give it three to four years, you need guys with a track record. It's so difficult to give it three to four years when both your head coach and your GM are unproven. And that, and that to me, is the problem. It, it's not like they've went out and got, you know, a, a Bill Polian who has built two championship-caliber football teams over his career. They've went out and got two guys who have never done either of the jobs. Kyle Shanahan is in for a huge culture shock, regardless. Just being a head coach, it's a huge step up from being a coordinator. They're basically, by the sounds of it, giving him a lot of power personnel-wise as well. And, and I just think it's a recipe for disaster, I really do. And I, I hope I'm proven wrong, because I like the 49ers. I'd like to see the 49ers be good. They're one of those NFL teams everybody wants to see a good 49ers team. I certainly do. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but I just can't help but think that in two years' time we will read, after an 8-24 record, the 49ers have cleaned house. And then they'll go and do the opposite and get a veteran head coach and a veteran GM. And you're kind of just riding that roller coaster on you the don't, cycle. You don't want to turn into the, the, the Browns of the last few years. So you do feel like, even though they've had a horrible year this year, just the one win, you feel like they've finally got something in place which looks like they're going to stick with and really give a go. They cleaned house, they changed uh, every level, and they're now and they've got some exciting young talent in there. And, and you just think... I mean, my, my, my other feeling with it is I, I, I really like the outside-the-box thinking because I don't think there's enough of that in the NFL. And I think particularly with head coaches, this kind of progression through coordinator to head coach is ridiculous in many ways. I, I, I think being a head coach is a different job to a coordinator and people should look for head coach qualities. I think it's totally different in personnel. I think personnel is very much a pay-your-dues you scout, work, work you your, scout local. Work, you work to, your will. Yeah. It is that kind of position. It's, yeah. To me, a, a head coach is a leader of men. He, it's a really unique position. A personnel guy is just basically evaluating talent. And the way to learn to evaluate talent is to work your way up through kind of a well-rounded system. And yeah, I, 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 I'm very much sceptical about the whole thing. But well, one, of the, one of the reasons I mentioned Peter King is we are hoping to speak with him tomorrow. He's here on Radio Road today uh, earlier and he's going to be back again tomorrow. He's promoting, he's doing a show live here on Thursday. He's doing his podcast live at a venue just down the road from here. And um, he had Kyle Shanahan on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and sat down with him for you know, 15, 20 minutes after the NFC Championship game. And then he's had this interview with Jed York as well. So I want to pick his brains on this. But what I heard from Shanahan in that interview was you've seen what he's done on the field but to actually hear him talk about it his own confidence in his own ability his knowledge is he really impressed me in that 15 minutes but he like you said it's, it's that's fine when you're sat there as the offensive coordinator of a Super Bowl team to say here's all the great things I'm gonna do in a couple of weeks time when I become the head coach of the 49ers it's very different putting that into action. I think. I think the, the thing with I feel Pat, like Ollie was desperate to jump in there. And of course, <laughs> but you go ahead. Mate. <laughs> I, no, no, no. You're, mine's will, mine will break the flow. You go we ahead. should also point out that you did. You were spending quite a bit of time fixing something under the yeah. desk or something, which is why you turned your mic off and it's just become the two of us. Ollie is still here and he's back I, now. Hey, I, Ollie. I do think the fact that his dad was a head coach is is really important, and he's clearly been around it for years. So I mean, that is. That is something that we've never really seen before. Yeah. And, and I can think that a lot of very successful head coaches are the kind of guys who've 
being around a parent who's done it. I mean, Bill Balacek's a prime example of that. And there are a lot of examples of, of guys who've been brought up in that environment. Even Mike Patine, who may not have been a great head coach, but he's a very, very good coach. And his dad's a famous high school coach. And there's a lot of examples of that. So, And, and when you kind of transform that to transfer that to the NFL level and having a dad who won two Super Bowls as a head coach, I think it helps. And actually, what, what you're saying there but is... But then you have Jordi Cruyff. Wait, what, hold on. <laughs> what, what you say there leads on to what I'll, my question is, do you think we'll see, and I think we probably will, but do you think we'll see the same sort of offence that we saw in Atlanta sort of transposed onto the 49ers? And it, ergo... I, I'd, I'd hope so, but there is not the personnel to well, be ergo, like Does that, that mean that uh, Colin Kaepernick stays? It's... Or does he work with what he's got? I'd be amazed if Colin Kaepernick's still there in a month's time when his you know, next bonus is up. We're going to speak I'd to him really at the surprised. end of the year. Uh, sorry, the end of the year. The end of the week, Patrick Mahomes, who I saw the Texas Tech, Texas Tech Red Raider quarterback. If he falls to that second spot in the second round, is that someone that Shanahan or the organization would be perfect? We also, we also have the joint most number of picks in this draft. We've got 12 picks. Um, they've been accumulated over some time. We've got compensatory picks coming our way as well. If they decide they want to go and be aggressive early on, I would, I would have thought they'll go more the Browns route and try and accumulate picks and pick up a lot of players. But if they want to be aggressive and they see a guy they do really, really like, whether that is Mahomes or whoever else it might be, then there's always that possibility of moving back the, into the, the back end of the first round. And, cousins. And, and actually, moving back into the back end of the first round, um, moving back into the back end of the first round, we'll get on to that in a moment, <laughs> um, is a re- I think is a re- an underused technique by teams. If you're down like first or second in the second round and you could move up for the sake of a fourth round pick, move up one spot to get to 32-31, a fourth or third round pick, you get that fifth-year option on the player, so if they're a success or if they're kind of borderline, you get that extra option on them. You're not paying them a huge amount more. I, I think that's something they could do, but I think you are right. There is that big possibility for a trade as well. Kirk Cousins looks like the man who they, they, they love, want. The, the Shanahan's, I mean, they obviously drafted him, but their love for Kirk Cousins is beyond I think like, anybody and, in the league. If you look at the skill set in terms of what he can do, he's closer to... Matt Ryan than certainly most of the other options around there. More of a pocket guy, decent manoeuvrability in the pocket, but he's not a guy who's going to get outside and make a lot of plays. Decent arm, like he's got all those things. And he's a bit hot and cold as a quarterback, but he's shown enough to show that he's got, he can be a franchise quarterback with the right coach. The the thing is, as well, that that offense is, if you ask, we'll speak to people this week about this. If you ask any defensive player, or defensive coach in the NFL, they will tell you that that offense is the hardest to defend. And it just is. I mean, mm-hmm. it, that is a factual thing. I mean, that offense won Denver the Super Bowl last year because, the, especially early in the game, and this is when we'll get on to with the Super Bowl, when the script the plays, it's really tough to defend. And Gary Kubiak's another guy who runs that style of offense. And they did a great job of that against New England in the championship game last year. And it puts so much stress on defense. So I think... The implementation of that offense to me is the most, the the biggest reason to be excited from a from a forty ers perspective. I think actually, it, when you've got a, a new person coming in, you've got a bit of room for manoeuvre. It's exciting. I think it's if I was a forty ers fan, and me being one of the most positive people on the planet, <laughs> I would be really excited about what's going to come, what Shanahan will bring, how he's going to do it. Okay, the defense needs fixing, but. When you look, when you think about the offense, and you think about how Atlanta have been playing, 
I think it's only going to be even more exciting. And that 49ers offense wasn't that bad. Chip Kelly got them playing okay, um, it, especially with some players going out, Carlos Hyde being one. You add a couple of receivers, another complementary running back, whether you have Cousins or Kaepernick, Kaepernick was serviceable last year. He was he was okay. We're so also we're also speaking to Jeremy Curley later this week, and I think that'll be a really interesting point to ask him how much he's watched this Falcons offense. You know, he is a prime candidate for a guy who could fit in that kind of Taylor Gabriel role. Very fast, decent hands bit underutilised this year really but again showed in flashes what he could yeah. do uh, you know I'm not sitting around and saying that he's going to turn himself into a, a star number two receiver or anything but he's that kind of piece who actually people wouldn't be looking at and going oh that's the sort of person who you really want but actually as a secondary member of that offence is the sort of player so there are players there but I mean the first job is to find the right running back for that scheme you, you need mm-hmm. a guy who who runs well in his own blocking scheme and, and that's a different skill set really yeah, and if they back. can use Carlos Side as a, a, a make weight for a potential trade or a deal, or yeah, yeah, I mean, if you know, he's not the guy, I mean, I'm, I'm not really sure what the ba- I'm trying to work out what his background would be in I, terms I, of schematically, but he's a good player. You would think that he figures it out, but it is a very precise, yeah. specific job to run behind that kind of line. Just don't isn't that Cordell Stewart over there in the red hoodie? I was yeah. trying to figure out before. It is, yeah. yeah. we should go and see if we can get him on again because he was really good last year. Sorry, moving on. <laughs> um, the uh, right, We've done a lot of 49ers chat. This has been like 20 minutes of 49ers, which is probably the most we've done all season. And whilst I found it delightful, let's move on. Um, at this point, it's opening night. You're heading over there in a minute. So what we'll do now is we're going to have a little bit of Super Bowl chat. Let's hear from the guys that, that Ollie and Matt and everyone has managed to go and speak to down at opening night. And I don't know who it's going to be. So it's going to be a big surprise for me and for you. Here it is. <laughs> Take two. Here we are at just after midnight, sat back in our Airbnb. All the lads are back from opening night. I did not go because I went to pick up Paolo Bandini from the airport, who's dead to the world in his bedroom. But uh, I just say, he says just after midnight. It's now seven minutes past midnight. It was one minute past when we did this the first time. <laughs> Successfully. I'm glad you knew how to use this recorder at the time because... <laughs> well, the real annoying thing is I've left all the podcast equipment at the uh, Radio Roast we're having to do this on a tiny little recorder um, look first of all just tell me what your thoughts were of opening night it was it was honestly the best one in, in my four years of covering Super Bowls it's <laughs> in my many years of covering the Super Bowl I'm like that old guy in the corner that <laughs> well when I started this you're going to be John McClane within three years <laughs> It, it, but it's it's just it's that is an incredibly niche beat writer based joke by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's honestly it's grown more and more every year. But it was in a it was in an outstanding baseball stadium called Minute Maid Park today, which meant there was a lot of a lot more room to manoeuvre. Um, and you're a man who likes a bit of room to manoeuvre. Yeah. Those limbs flying. Don't need as much as I used to. I have lost two stone recently. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, honestly, the, we we got some we got some really nice interviews. I think a lot of the media weren't as savvy as we were. We got some great guests. You, you did get some great guests. I, I'd like to point out you've lost two stone recently. Obviously, I'm not a man to talk, but I do thoroughly enjoy that. Yesterday, whilst we were pissed, you were telling us just how much you were. That was this is my blowout day. I'm not gonna. This is. I'm gonna be healthy the rest of the week. And then, for lunch today, you bought two slices of pizza to augment your Taco Bell. And now you're sat here drinking a beer. 
It's a great beer, though, isn't it? It's a very good beer. It's a very, very good beer. Right, uh, let's actually get some of these interviews in before we bore people. Don't worry, there's Royal Rumble chat coming up in a little while. But uh, uh, let's start off with, uh, we're going to focus on the Falcons' offense against that Patriots' defense, that matchup that we're all so excited to see on Sunday. Who did you speak to first? Spoke to the very talented guard, Andy Levitre, who discussed a lot of things. We got into a bit of Kyle Shanahan and... um, what kind of coaches he ahead of his move to the 49ers but mainly we, we spoke about that offence how difficult it is to match up against and what it's like as an offensive lineman in a, in his own blocking scheme which asks you basically to freelance on every snap so we got into a lot of the nitty gritty stuff with Andy and um, I'm sure we'll hear him right now Thank you, good to meet you Nice to meet you um, looking at the, straight into the matchup, a lot of people are talking about both offensive lines and, and how you guys have really kind of been dominant in both of your teams with your offense. How important is that key to the game? And, and are we seeing a trend in the NFL this season with the likes of yourselves, the Patriots, the Cowboys? Offensive lines can can take you to championships. Yeah, I think so. Um, and it's hard to do. You know, it's it's hard. We've been pretty lucky to stay uh, healthy for the, throughout the year. Yeah. So uh, you know. I think it's been a huge part of, uh, to help some of the success we have. You know, obviously having some great playmakers like Matt and Free and Julio and you know Muhammad and all them and Alex. I mean, we got you know we got we got a lot of, of threats um, offensively, and so do the Patriots. So, I mean, it's, you know, you, you uh, when you have those kind of weapons and you can you have an offensive line that can play well, um, you can make you do some damage. Well, what interests me with with the scheme is, is obviously the zone blocking, and it's notoriously probably the most difficult scheme to defend in the NFL what's it like to play in that kind of scheme because obviously you guys on every snap have to be aware that if it's not working outside you might be creating a cutback lane and I guess that's dependent on how the play breaks down there's a lot of kind of freestyling at, at the midpoint of the snap what's it like to play is it a, is it a tough one to adjust to uh, it's not tough to adjust to but I think Kyle does a great job of game planning throughout the week uh, every week uh, kind of finding the strengths and weaknesses of defenses and trying to expose them um, and keep them honest you know um, and you know it helps us out um, from an offensive standpoint of keeping keeping defenses on their toes and um you know, obviously, again, having playmakers helps as well. And there's been a lot of talk, obviously, that everybody, it's the worst-kept secret that Kyle's probably going to be the head coach of the 49ers next year. Having worked with him closely, what's he like? I mean, I imagine you're going to say good things, and everybody knows how well-schemed the offense is, like, is, but what's he like as a man, kind of, as a coach? He's awesome. Uh, I think he's one of the brightest coaches I've been around. Um, in terms of the way that he schemes and game plans every week, um, you know, I haven't, I haven't been around too many offensive coordinators that have gone in weekly and really um, tweaked things to, to help, you know, our skill set on offense be the best it can be, but also, um, you know, play against the defense and find out what works for us against their defense. And, and what, what has been most interesting is the way you guys, similar to the Patriots, but you're like a Charmeleon almost, changing what you're doing week to week, depending on what works that week, which isn't something we necessarily always see in the NFL. How effective is that approach? I mean, obviously everything you guys do is based on that zone run, but you're doing so much around that to change what you do week to week. What what, what is that like, game planning wise for you guys every week? Uh, I think it's I think it's been good for us. I think we got a lot of bright guys. Um, 
you know, from an offensive line standpoint, we have a lot of guys that are smart, the guys that work hard and put in the time and effort to throughout the week so that when we when we go out on the field, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, we, we nail it then and then we come out on Sunday and nail it again. So, um, you know, it's it's good to have that kind of, you know, a, a group of guys that, that can do that because I've been around some groups where, you know, there might be somebody that's missing it and, and doesn't fully understand it and, you know, it gets you in trouble on offense. you got to have everybody on the right page um, all the time. And, and just finally, I guess this is all a, a new experience for, for a lot of you guys. Your head coach seems to be in this position virtually every year in the last four years I think he's been to three Super Bowls how's he prepared you for the week because this kind of epitomizes it but it's a really unique challenge for you guys uh, you know not to not to get hyped up too over I mean it's a football game for us so uh, you know it's just taking it day, one day at a time uh, focusing on the task at hand and not looking too far ahead uh, you know we're, we're not worried about the game right now we're worried about practice uh, you know we're worried about practice on Wednesday coming up so uh, you know it's, it's not not overlooking the current situation that we're and uh, just taking it one day at a time. Andy Levitre there speaking with our very own Matt Sherry at uh, opening night. Now, you mentioned there about Kyle Shanahan. Did you get a chance to hear from or speak to the great man at all? We, we listened in as many people were interviewing him. Um, but no, we personally didn't speak to him. And I don't really want to speak to a man so arrogant <laughs> <laughs> never look in the mirror then <laughs> you're sitting here talking to me this is the yeah. most arrogant sofa in the history of time um, Carl Shanahan well from seeing other people tweeting about the night etc it sounds like he's just openly talking about the fact he's going to be 49ers head coach now I, I refer I said to Levitra that it's the worst kept secret in NFL <laughs> and he just laughed um Sticking on the same theme and looking at Matt Ryan, the quarterback for the Ants Falcons, Matt also caught up with Jacob Tammy, tight end. Of course, he was the tight end with Peyton Manning at the Denver he Broncos. He basically followed Peyton Manning around for several years <laughs> yeah, okay. and has now had to find something comparable. <laughs> and it's that comparison between Peyton Manning and Matt Ryan that you discussed with him. Link, see, professional. <laughs> That's why I said it. I am good at so calling. I'm really good at Link. He's doing a great job, mate. Their leadership qualities, you know, are, are something that, you know, coming here, you know, I could see that Matt had a lot of the same qualities that, that Peyton had as far as um, leadership, preparation, um, taking command of the huddle, the way that he interacts with guys, and, and you know, something that always made Peyton so great, in my opinion, was that he always pushed himself to the limit, and it, and it encouraged other guys to do the same and it enabled him to push other guys because when you're when you're pushing yourself to the limit you're allowed to look around and and make sure everyone else is too because and that's what building a great team is about and Matt Matt does that and Matt Matt prepares extremely hard he works extremely hard he takes his job as leader of our team extremely seriously and that's what you can that's, that's something that you want to be a part of that's, so that's the type of quarterback you want to be around and, and it's kind of that that old thing of don't ask somebody to do something that you're not prepared to do yourself if if the main guy's doing it then everybody else should follow suit that's right that's right exactly and uh you know matt uh matt does a great job of that and, and what's the attention to detail like because it always strikes me covered a few Super Bowls and the one thing that you always seem to hear about the great quarterbacks is that attention to detail that they have that separates them yeah. I guess you've noticed that and what's that like to work with well it, it makes it fun man because when you're 
when you are as prepared as you can be and ready to go let it fly on Sunday, that's that's how I like to play, and that's how you know I think our team plays. We, we prepare hard during the week. We put the work in. You know, you fill up the bucket, and then on Sunday you go pour it out and just and just let it fly. So there's nothing. There's no. There's no tightness. There's no worry. There's no anxiety on Sunday. It's just. It's a culmination of all the preparation you put in, going out on the field and just playing. And so uh, I like being a part of teams, offenses, quarterbacks that uh, have that type of atmosphere, and that's that's uh, I think what we have here. And then Kyle Shanahan, the offensive coordinator, it's kind of the worst kept secret in football, and he's almost certainly going to be the the forty nine as head coach from next week. I mean, what 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 is he like to work with? And, and everybody talks about the X's and O's, and everybody knows how difficult that offense is to defend. Both by Mike Shanahan, runner, and the way he's taking that forward. What's he like in in the meeting rooms? What's he like as a, as a man manager? Well, it, he's been great. He's been great, and you know, I think um, certainly one of the sharpest offensive minds I've been around, and I've been pretty <laughs> lucky to be around a lot of good ones. Um, but you know, he, he's young and talented and smart, and I think uh, he'll be a great head coach. And um, you know, we haven't spent much time talking about that around here, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, there's all kinds of reports and all that, but. I couldn't be more truthful when I say we haven't talked about it uh, around here. You know, it's kind of not been. Um, but but I'm, if it does happen, I am I'm happy for him and excited, and, and I think he'll do a great job. And uh, you know, I think his focus. Well, I, I know his focus from being around him. Uh, if if he is going to be a head coach in a week or whatever it is, I, I'm not sure that he's concerned about it at this point because uh, we got one more big one left and. Um, I saw him in there watching tape today, and uh, I think uh, we're gonna we're gonna be pretty focused on passing hand for sure. And then one final thing: what interests me really about both offenses is the way you guys kind of change what you do week to week. You, the Patriots do it a lot more; they can totally transform what they do. You guys are very much grounded in that zone run as as kind of the, the foundation of the offense. But within a week, you, the game plans are changing. You're attack, you're exploiting weaknesses in defenses. What's that like? on a Monday morning when you, you go into the building and you look at the game plan and think this is totally different to what we did last week is that a is that a fun challenge week to week yeah I mean I think that's what part of what especially at our position what makes tight end fun is getting to be versatile and getting to line up in different formations and, and different spots and different motions and um, for me, that's what makes tight end uh, such a fun position, and uh, this offense enables you to to really, you know, do that as much as probably any. Um, so uh, that that makes it fun for sure. Uh, that was Jacob Tammy speaking with Matt, uh, but the Patriots defense we're probably got to have one of them in for balance. Yeah, you're not here talking about the Patriots. <laughs> that joke was as good second time round. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, as much as they are often dull and very media trained, we did speak with Trey Flowers one on one for about four minutes, and he to me is one of the best five players in that Patriots defense. And we we got into the fact that a guy who played four snaps last year and ended the season as a no name 
goes into the Super Bowl as one of the, the key players on the Patriots defence and this is what he had to say Just want to talk about your breakout season really obviously I think you played about four or five snaps as a rookie and heading to the Super Bowl now as, as kind of the guy people look at as, as the pass rusher on this team how do you what's it been like um, you know I, I guess I assist it to just hard work and preparation you know uh, you know I just work hard throughout the week work hard you know obviously coming off uh, my rookie season coming into this season work hard on the off season make sure I was prepared when you know my time came so anytime I got that opportunity you know to display you know my skills and, and things I just uh, make sure I capitalize on it and do you feel like your players getting the recognition now? I know Monday Night Football, John Gruden said that you you might be the best player on the Patriots defense overall. Compliments like that suggest that you you're kind of turning heads in the league. I mean, yeah, I, I guess you could say that, but you know that, that's not what I do it for. As far as you know, the recognition and things, I I really just you know go out there and trying to help my team win. And anytime you know it's my turn to make a play, my job to make a play, then you know I, I just want to be in the, in the best position to do it. And and there's, there's, I read a story the other week about how you, there's a joke with you and the guys about your technique and yeah. and, and then you've got a nickname from that. Yeah. I mean, is that the ultimate compliment? Because it is a game of, of yeah. technique, isn't it? And I guess the commitment to your craft like that. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I think it's you know one of those things I take pride in. Just you know, having technique, and I, I believe that you know, anytime you got good technique and fundamentals, you won't be you won't be in a bad situation a lot of times. So. You know, anytime, you know, the more times you're not caught in a bad situation, the more opportunities you have to make a play. So, you know, um, you know, and I just, you know, take pride in that. And, you know, some of the guys kind of joke about it because, you know, they put they they put it on film and, and kind of set, you know, examples and things like that. But, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, laugh at them and continue to work. So, and, yeah. and, and how have you had to handle challenges as the season's gone along? Because increasingly now we're seeing defense has actually schemed to try and take you out of the game you're seeing more double teams and that kind of thing uh, what, what's that like I mean I guess it's a compliment but also it makes you like a little bit harder yeah um, you know it, it's understandable you know uh, anytime you know you got you know you make it plays out there or whatever um, you know they're going to focus in on you and kind of you know try to you know shut you down you know that, that's you know part of football so you know, it's just up to me to, you know, make a play. So, you know, sometimes I go through drills and kind of work on beating the double team, work on, you know, how to beat the double team and, and any opportunity I can to, to go out there and make a play. So, you know, I, I don't really shut down and just, you know, kind of say, oh, if I'm getting double, somebody else make a play. No, I, I still want to be disruptive even, you know, if they got two guys on us. And what's it like this week from a, from a game plan perspective? Because obviously... There are certain games this season where you guys maybe are facing a mobile quarterback and you're really having to be disciplined in, in your rush. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan's a guy who generally stays in the pocket more and, and the focus is on you guys as a pass rush to, to make plays in this game. How do you view the matchup in that sense? Um, you know, it, it's just uh, you know one of those things that, you know, he, he probably don't move around a lot, you know, as, as much as, you know, the, the top mobile guys in the, in, the, in the field, but he's still able to escape and still able to you know, make plays, you know, with his legs. But, uh, you know, it's still the same thing, just kind of containing and, you know, push the pocket, make him uncomfortable, you know, make him move his feet, you know, and kind of allow him to, you know, look at the rush and not look at the guys that's open downfield. And then just finally, you're obviously a guy, this this is all new to you, but mm-hmm. you've got a, a bunch of guys in the locker room there, many of whom have been here before. How much will you lean on the experience of those guys and the coaching staff this week to help you get through this 
absolute madness that we yeah. see around us. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like you said, there's a lot of guys that been through this situation, been through you know this whole week and this whole process. So you know, I, I'm not one that really asks questions, but I you know I, I look and observe and how they you know go about things and how they move and um, you know I just take bits and pieces you know from you know a lot of other experienced guys. And just literally the final one now. You're obviously in a, in a fortunate position of being coached by Bill Belichick. As a, as a young guy, what's that like? Because I've spoken to a lot of people tonight and they talk about him as a teacher and really digging in on technique stuff. What, what's he like to play for and, and to, to be with every day? Oh, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a good coach, definitely understand football, and, you know, you can learn a lot from, you know, like I said, you know, I don't really ask questions, but just, you know, seeing how his approach to the game, his approach to, you know, getting guys prepared, his approach to, you know, just football one-on-one. And, uh, you know, you can learn a lot from opening night. Right. For you guys who have joined us specifically for the NFL portion of the podcast. And what a great day we've had. Love it. Radio Row. Done. That bit's finished. People wanted a Royal Rumble podcast. Let's do 10 minutes on the Royal Rumble right now before we finish off. Everyone happy with that? Yeah, off with you started talking a little bit about San Antonio, but the day before was absolutely delightful. We went out and we had breakfast at a place called what was it? Lulu's Cafe. Oh man, that cinnamon bun. A, a three-pound cinnamon bun. Like if you've not seen it, go onto our Instagrams or Twitters or, or whatever, and you'll find a picture of me holding it and of John Jackson from Virgin holding it up to our heads and it is genuinely I mean it is as big it was as big as your head Ollie I reckon it was massive the, it was a great bun the breakfast was nice however the service was abysmal it was but, but they were <laughs> understaffed they were understaffed and we'll let them off it's like they weren't prepared for the fact the Royal Rumble is down then we went out and we went and drank in a church first of all oh that was a great pub steak sauce and then, we, uh, and then we went and got some Texas barbecue and we went and drank mimosas out in the sun at an ice house. Do you know what an ice house is, Ollie? No, what's an ice house, Will? <laughs> uh, they, they, like, that's been a running joke, sorry. It's an in-joke that these, the listeners aren't part of, but I explained what an ice house was and apparently I did it in really condescending terms unintentionally on the first day and they got a lot of stick for it. But it's like an outdoor, it's an outdoor bar. It's like a shack where you go and you buy drinks and you get big outdoor seating and they had a big outdoor screen and it was fantastic. And then we went and we got to the Rumble actually early enough that we were there for the preliminary matches. Sure. Uh, and so when, when you first got in there, I saw that vast space. I specifically want to look through your eyes, Ollie, because I enjoyed it as someone who still watches wrestling. Sherry enjoyed it as someone who was a big fan as he was young. And you, I think you really got into it as a guy who, certainly um, in the moment, who had never oh, really yeah, watched yeah. it before. I think when you go with actual fans... And there's a billion other fans, not a billion, you know, 50,000 other fans in there. To go as a naysayer would be awful. So it helped that I was pretty well lubricated. And yet there was one guy who was clearly having the best night of his life. And Matt Sherry decided that he was going to lambast and take, chant against this guy. Take umbrage. You, you really took umbrage with that one bloke. He was, he was having a whale of a time. He did... He was a bit camp, wasn't Frankly, he? Frankly, he was he the most preposterous human being. <laughs> he was, he was a little bit on the camp side. And when we, um, when we were chanting for Seamus, and Cesaro is his tag team partner, and even when Seamus was out on the, uh, out on the apron and Sarah's in there and you were still going, Seamus, he was going around going, aren't you even going to chant for his tag team partner? <laughs> it was. I was like, is this a tag team match? <laughs> yeah. What's tag team? There was, there was a moment when somebody kicked out where this guy left his seat and sat in the aisleway for a while. 
yeah, he kind of right. like left from his seat and just stayed in the aisle where hugging a bottle. I think he was so blown away by what he'd just seen. He was absolutely loving it. I t- the, it, it was good. I think the the standout match, and which it shouldn't have been because the actual Rumble Royal thing should have been itself. That should have been the, the thing that everyone goes away thinking that was incredible. But actually, the standout match. Was that John Cena versus, what's his face? AJ Styles. Yeah, him as well. And, and that was, they've had three great matches and over the last year. And th- that, you couldn't help but get involved and and. Are you watching Raw tonight, it. Will? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what time's it on? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what time it's on in the US, but uh, if we're not watching it live, we'll, we'll watch it when you get back. When I get back, I'll we'll record it. Really yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. So, I, I, I don't know how in-depth people want us to go. I'm not talking about doing a match-by-match breakdown, but, like, I'm trying to remember everything that was on the card. So, it started off with the all-female tag match, which was fine. It was what it was. It crowd started getting a bit into it. it had the Cesaro Sheamus tag match where they yeah. lost the titles. Yeah. Uh, there was another female tag match. Was was, no, female match, wasn't there? Which, I think you were saying, I missed that because I was down in Shit. the queue waiting for the ice drinks with our good our Samoan friend. Oh, my God, that guy was great. He we, was great, yeah. They were selling these ice drinks that were, like, maybe a foot long, and well, they were called foot-long ice drinks. <laughs> were they actually? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's made me look stupid. And, and they're selling all different flavors. There was like pina colada. And there, was a, there was a black, there was something called a black raspberry. I wanted to know what it was. So I ordered that while everyone else had pina colada. And he went to me, um, hey, do you want, because I said with rum. And he went, you don't want rum. You want vodka. And I went, I'm not a big vodka fan. Are you sure? And he went, look, I'll make it for you with vodka. And if you don't like it, I'll make you another one. So before he handed it to me, I just went, I don't like it. And he went, and I went, I'll tell you what, give me an extra shot and I'm sure I'll like it. And he just bang, he just free poured me in a whole massive extra load of vodka into mine. I was like, I like this guy. He was a great, he was a great guy. <laughs> Later on, we went, before the rumble itself, I went back to that stand to try and get another drink from him. And he saw us coming from a distance and he just looked at me and went, no ice. Like, he looked genuinely devastated. I was more devastated. Yeah. Uh, it, but we wanted to reconnect with him. I really did. He was a lovely bloke. Uh, but you were saying you yeah, look like a, Sasha Banks got injured well, I think by Sherry, the massive one. Sherry spotted that, and when someone gets injured, they quickly finish the fight or something? I don't know. If somebody, gets, if somebody yeah. gets a proper injury, they, they have a backup plan for how to end it quickly, and that will end it quick. they will communicate that. So it was only about five minutes long, that one. And then, and then Shawn Michaels came out. Who? Yeah, that was <laughs> sorry, Josh. Josh, Josh Peacock. Just, just let me just repeat that moment again. And then Shawn Michaels came out. Just say it into the microphone. Oh wow, Shawn Michaels. Shawn <laughs> Michaels. And do you know the amazing thing about it? It's his hometown, homecoming. Shawn Michaels. So they loved him. Oh my god! You actually, if you're going to keep asking questions, then we will get you to put one on. Still got long hair. Yes, he's still got long hair in a ponytail. He came out in a suit, but he did do his whole sexy boy thing, and he pulled the poses and he gyrated, and it was glorious. It really was. Was cool, right? Yeah, it still is. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Cool. And he just did a whole big thing about hyping the rubble, but that was the moment I could see Sherry really lock in. He was like, right, woo! I'm down for this now. This is, this is my moment. What do we, st- oh, we started off with the women's match. That was good as well. Charlotte Flair doing the woo. We saw some chops and some figure We got on board with Charlotte, didn't we, Ollie? Went against the crowd. Yeah, always. <laughs> Celebrated wildly. Basically, we won. went on against the crowd pretty much in every fight. Except for Goldberg. We all the heels every time. Heels every time. Goldberg. Just Why? offensive, just absolutely offensive. Why did you do that? I, I'm really sorry. What, what are you doing? I'm sorry. I never know what you're doing back there. <laughs> <laughs> Ma, the meatloaf! Uh, we should message him. Swear so word! Message him and see if he's um, here this week. 
Uh, Tori Holtz just tweeted, just messaged on our photo of the, the of the paella and lobsters. Just gone. Looks like a great feast. Like I love Tori Holt. He's yeah, great. Yeah. He was at our Super Bowl party last year, obviously. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see if he can get him on later in the week. Um, yeah, Charlotte Flair Bailey was fine. Charlotte yeah. Flair still winning at every single pay per view, which is a bit rubbish. But I think she'll lose at WrestleMania. What was after that? I'm trying to remember. Oh, that was then. Owens reigns with the shark cage above the ring, which I was concerned as soon as that match was announced that that was going to be the moment that you tapped out, that you were like, what is this farcical nonsense well, going on? Well, do you know on? what? I was disappointed by that match. I thought it was really good. Well, no, do you know why? I was? Do you remember what I said to you in the arena? That there was going to be something with the shark cage. I thought the shark cage meant that he would be in a in a, a, a great big swimming pool thing with actual <laughs> sharks suspended <laughs> above the ring. <laughs> So when I just saw the cage, I went, oh, yeah, okay, that makes more logistical sense. <laughs> Imagine that they had to suspend like a 300-gallon tank of water above a crowd of people with live sharks That's in it. <laughs> that is what Ollie thought was going to happen. I thought this is America. They can make anything happen here. In fact, the fact that they didn't make that happen, they're a disgrace. But even though I dislike Robo Raids massively, that was... A great match. Like, lots of high spots. The thing with the big pyramid of chairs and him putting him through a table and all of that you know, stuff. I forgot about the chairs. But they really told a story. It was exciting. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, that was good. And Owens won. What was after that? Then then, then it was Neville, wasn't Neville, it? Neville, Neville, Neville. Your Neville. face is a mess. Yeah. Neville won. We celebrated. We chanted. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. They, they loved it. That was when we won. I think we might have been annoying people around us a little bit before that. And then they had had a few more libations well, themselves. One, one guy literally ran up a whole flight of stairs to high five. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think once, once people, it turned around. The guy that, the guy yeah. that was loving life, yeah. that Sherry hated, did the bowing thing. Yeah. That, I think that, was, that, was, that, was, that was the moment we, we won everyone over yeah. in our area, I think. Yeah. I still heard him. <laughs> Even though he did that. Come on, man. He was just loving life. He, he, was, like he was having the best night of his life. Yeah. And, and you were being too negative about it. We were there as well. We, uh, we paid the uh, same uh, for us. Ollie, Ollie was massively on board, just me and him going after this guy all day. And then <laughs> Will clearly took him aside. He was like, oh, just leave it out, Sherry. Just leave him, Sherry. He's having the best night of his life. Don't I didn't really. say anything You're to like Ollie a school any bully. No, no. You were. You were bullying yeah. the bloke. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> li- literally never. Your favourite word. Pathetic. Never said a single you bullied, word to him. You bullied the bloke like you right. were bullying but, John right. Jackson. Let's, the let's whole talk about time. this. That is the worst. You were being passive aggressive. You weren't saying to him, shut up, mate. You were going, what a prick, loud enough that he could hear no, you, but not engaging him that directly. Isn't true. Yes, you were. That's exactly That's a complete what you were doing. Exactly you what were, you were hearing doing. from my lawyer in the morning, pal. <laughs> Liam, uh, passive aggressive, is that a, a phrase that you generally associate with, with Matthew Sherry? <laughs> passive aggressive and aggressive aggressive. Yeah. yeah. Active aggressive. Then after that, there was Cena style. Cena style, which we've spoken about. That was amazing. Unbelievable. The, the amount of times everyone thought it was going to be over, and then it wasn't over. It was just great. The, the I, number, the number I of really the number of false endings, the number of when he got him in the when when he got him in the uh, SDF, and then they rolled it over, and they were just doing like uh, what are they called. Um, uh, submission moves to each other and that big one. Do you know that match went on for 35 minutes? No way. Get out of town. It felt like 10, didn't it? It was incredible. It yeah. was incredible. Absolutely loved it. It's just <laughs> your only gridiron business card and he's just ripped it up. <laughs> what, what, Don't, I was just wondering. problem? Well, I just was like playing with paper and I looked and I was like, oh, sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I then after that, that was the rumble itself, which... <laughs> 
I mean, it was a weird one. I thought the rumble started really well. I thought like it was quite exciting to begin with. Um, and what's different to it to watching it on TV is I think when you're on TV, you notice all the guys who are like lying around the outside, not doing anything. You're thinking, come on, guys, do something. But actually, when you're watching it live, you quite like the guys come in, they have their high spots, they do their finishes or whatever, and then it kind of moves round. Well, I think it's ridiculous. I think it it sagged in the middle quite badly, and then when all the big names came out at the end, it was great. But um, then when Roman Reigns came out at 30, I've never seen a crowd like that in my life. Most people it turned, thought it was going to be angled. It? It, it turned, it went pretty horrible. Stone Cold, The Rock, anyone. Not that guy, that chancer. To the, who to, was that guy? To the point where when... <laughs> Seriously, who was he? I don't know who he was. He was fighting in the match in earlier in the Shark Cage match. And that, and he was the one that lost know. that match. Oh, right. What does that tell you about him? Yeah, who was he? Everybody else as well was like, that he was He fought rubbish. a shark earlier on. What, the way you could okay. tell how much people hate him is that when Randy Orton won it and... Randy Orton won it? <laughs> See? I mean, yeah. there's a big... This is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> there's he's, a, there's, he's, a bit, he's playing a part and it's not a good There was a huge part. problem with the whole thing. <laughs> Who's Randy Orton? Is that for about two minutes, Lesnar was surrounded by bodies just laid out on the oh, camera. I love the Lesnar. Because he knocked them all out? Yeah, well, do you know what? Just pick them up and throw them over the rope, which is the whole point of the <laughs> match. Don't just stand there like a dick, like, ooh, ooh where's Goldberg? But you said something interesting. Some of these old guys, like Goldberg. You can't, you can't, they couldn't, couldn't they, they, they can't do more than three yeah. or four minutes and they start to look Pathetic. knackered. They do like five just moves. Just throw them over the top rope, Brock. So the, but I've never seen Sherry get so annoyed <laughs> when Goldberg got knocked out. Yeah. I, was, I felt like walking out then. Yeah, you should have I wanted out. It was pathetic. I wish you had. Point on. <laughs> um, and then the way Undertaker got knocked out off that chance who you're talking I'll tell you what, we the didn't get enough... Shit, we didn't get it? enough... Um, we didn't Can get enough... please stop swearing? We didn't get enough theme tunes. <laughs> so I wanted more of the Undertaker theme tune. Yeah. <laughs> that was like... It went dark and then the next thing, he's in the ring. No, I want him to walk down. Go and get Paul Bearer from Lesnar. Get him back with his original partner. That, right, hold on, hold on. Paul Bearer's dead. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's him, isn't it? Well, go and dig Paul Bearer's grave. Get him out. The Undertaker could steal that out. Actually, this is what's amazing. This is exactly the way he's been on this section of the podcast. Is exactly what happened last night, where Sherry was up here until entrance 26 of the Rumble. And then as soon as Goldberg got knocked out, he went... The other and he hated the whole night. All I want <laughs> he, he was having the best night of his life. And then suddenly he was having the worst night all of his I life in the was, space of two minutes. All I wanted was a short, fat man to take Undertaker's jacket off. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> I could have done it. I'm not, I'm not short, but compared to Undertaker, I am. No, I, uh, I had a great time. The fact that I was really drunk helped, but I had a great time. Yeah, it was... A, it was, a, it was and, and if, yes. if Undertaker was going to it's knock a once in a lifetime thing. I'm not going to go again next year, but it was great. If Undertaker was going to knock out Goldberg when he was stood behind him and nobody expected it, just throw him out then. Because the problem is that Goldberg is too dominant to be knocked out in that situation. <laughs> so that's your how wrong. He's old. He's still great, Will. <laughs> which, which one was Goldberg? You don't even <laughs> say that, Ali. <laughs> Take that back. Right, I think that ends our Royal Rumble section of the podcast. And we've gone to an hour once I include the opening night interviews and stuff. So we've done really well, considering there was not really much to talk about, apart from 20 minutes on the 49ers. That's the last we're going to talk about them for that much for the next couple of years, I reckon. Um, loads planned in tomorrow. Loads of great interviews lined up for tomorrow. Um, so we will bring you all of that 
I think this, so the time this comes out will be Tuesday morning when this comes out. So I think that's what we'll do is release them every morning. So they'll be ready in your inbox first thing in the morning. So you can download them, listen to them on your commute to work or whatever. And uh, Hold up, Will, who have we got tomorrow? By inbox, you mean podcast service of your choice, be it. <laughs> Stitcher, can we say? Can we iTunes. get questions lined up? Someone, someone's been listening. Uh, it, people want to tweet questions for us. Yeah, T- yeah. Tomorrow we've got Kelvin Beecham from the Jags, we've got Eric Kendricks from the Vikings, Tony Lippett from the Dolphins, James Ahedebo, the Bills safety we should be getting as well. Hopefully Touchwood. So if Won't anyone's got any... King. Who's Touch? Who's hopefully Touchwood? Yeah, exactly him as well. If anyone's got <laughs> questions for those guys... <laughs> he does sound like a draft prospect, doesn't he? <laughs> hopefully Touchwood out of Texas Tech. <laughs> if, if anyone's got questions for any of those guys, hit us up at Gridiron. I also, really like that. follow us on Twitter at Gridiron. And we will be tweeting out when we get someone down in the chair. We will be tweeting out that they're on, and then if keep honestly, you can turn. What's that thing where you turn on your notifications? You can push notifications on. We will tweet it out. We'll let you know. Uh, get on there and see the picture of the feast that's in the media area right now. There was because smug- no smugness is definitely something we do really well on this show. No word um, of a lie. It's probably the only thing we do well on <laughs> in the media centre. For, for the media to eat, there was a, a pile of lobster claws, not the big ones, but the little claws, and mussels, and what else is in there? Oysters. Massive, honest, massive, at Gridiron, huge. And we're going to do some live videos from there as well. We'll do some... Uh, is it live videos we'll do on things. Twitter? Or we yeah, we'll do that via Twitter, so we'll do that at Gridiron, and uh, at Will Gav, we'll do some from there as well. We'll do some Instagram. We'll do So follow us through the week. We're going to be doing loads of stuff. Go get your Super Bowl party tickets, gridiron-magazine.com, for that Super Bowl LI, and touchdown trips. It depends about out here this week, is he? I don't no, think. No, so. But we'll, um, certainly, we are getting to the point where things are looking beyond the schedule coming out and us actually picking the dates schedule. for doing it. Things are really coming together for our trip for next year, so go and register your interest. We've had lots of great interest so far. We think it's going to be like 20, 25 people. It's going to be absolutely great. Really looking forward to wow. it. And if we can judge Ollie's driving today on anything, People then it's going to be a great time. time. Because Ollie, there was... There was <laughs> What, what you guys missed today was the moment that we went across a junction at about 50 miles an hour, <laughs> not realising that this junction, it was the worst, like, surface. It was effectively a giant seen. speed bump. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we had it all Two giant wheels. speed bumps. Well, and we came off, off the ground. I thought, I briefly thought I was going to die. Like, you know, when your whole stomach goes up in your body and you just go, Ugh. I controlled it, though. Yeah, you did brilliant. Yeah, to thanks, be fair, man. to be fair, you're, as I said at the time, you... Your driving, your control was excellent off the back end, but whoa, was it a terrifying moment. We we have to wrap this up because we've got to go to open at night. There was also the moment that we played YMCA incredibly loudly with the windows down. (laughs) That goes down real well in the 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 lawn sign. Okay, cool. Let's let's hope tonight's better than the shower that was last night. We found out who the producer is. It's Liam, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you very much for listening. Touchdowntrips.com, Touchdowntrips on Facebook, and follow us at Gridiron, etc. Thank you very much for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show. Sherry, give me a level again. How, there she was, out. just a walking down the street, singing, ooh, my baby. You look good. Look good. You look fine. Looked fine. And we're singing all the time, having a great time all the while. <laughs> singing doobly doobly dooby dum dibbly dee. Compy, 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 conny, wanny, me. This is all staying in. This is 100% all staying in. <laughs>